Hey, you all. Welcome back to Active and Connected Families. My kids just left for the first day of school, and I'm finally getting to all of the things that I didn't get to over the last two months, like recording a podcast. So I am really glad to be back with you all. And since you're here with me in this moment that they literally just left, I am trying to actively reflect on all the things that made this summer great. And I'm trying to think about how I can bring those pieces into the school year coming up. So I realized I had a really great time playing a lot of pickleball with my middle son, Wes, and I'm going to be really proactive about trying to make that happen continuously through the year. There are so many friends that I connect with over the summer at the pool, and I'm going to try to be more proactive and intentional about scheduling time with all the people that I know and care about. I think we spend so much of our time leading two separate lives, sort of our summer life and our school year life for us and for our kids. And if we can think about what we really enjoy about both pieces, we can lead a more full, thoughtful, intentional life. So I'm deep in it right now. But before my kids got on that bus, you all, I was so stressed. We had a pretty tough back to school moment in our house. And I know it feels that way for a lot of folks. And given the stress that I was experiencing before the school year started, I have the best guest for us today. Her name is Dr. Leah Katz. She's a clinical psychologist, and she's going to talk to us about how we can use very reasonable and very accessible mindfulness tools as parents to help us be more intentional about how we live our lives in the tiny moments and also in the big picture of who we want to be. She's written a book called Gutsy, Mindfulness Practices for Everyday Bravery, and it's available wherever you get your books. You all, she was so helpful to me. She's essentially giving me therapy like every guest does, which I really appreciate. And I just thought she was so smart and relatable, and I'm so excited to share her with you. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope all of your kids have a great time back at school. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places, and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once, but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Leah, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me on today. I am thrilled to have you on because you're going to talk about mindfulness and self-compassion for parents going into this school year. And I have to be honest, I am a week out of school starting and I am definitely feeling some pressure and stress. And I'm just glad to have someone to help me with it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're talking about it too, because we are two weeks out from school where we are on, in, on the West Coast. And I'm glad to be able to talk this through too. So here we go. 
So you are an expert on mindfulness and, and talk to me a little bit about what that means for you and what that means for the parents who are listening to this podcast. Yeah, it's such a good question because I feel like the more popular mindfulness gets and the more we talk about it, the many different definitions it takes on. And so it means different things, I think, depending on how you're using it. So the way that I use mindfulness and bring it into the clinical work that I do and practice it myself is it's a practice of learning to become aware and present with what's unfolding for you in the current moment, moment to moment. And not all the time, by the way. Sometimes people hear this and are like, I can't do that every single minute. And that is completely not the goal. It's just bringing that this idea more into our lives. And this is the important, this is the kicker in a non-judging and compassionate way. So it's awareness paired with compassion, paired with non-judgingness. So I'm going to be honest with you. I have like come around to mindfulness in probably the last six months. I think I've been doing a ton of mindful-based practices. But the second I talk to many people about mindfulness, their eyes glaze over. They're like, that's not for me. Mm. Yet I think that it is for all of us in this world where we're getting a million notifications, a million conversations, a million, we have so much pressure. So why is mindfulness important? And is there another word that sounds a little I don't know, a little less mindful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I hear this too a lot when I talk about mindfulness with different people, this like this idea that this isn't for me. And I really do think that those notions and those beliefs come from a misunderstanding of what it is. Mm So let me think a a different word for mindfulness. I mean, I mean, I don't know if this one is any better because I think it still has a connotation to it, but being more present, you know, bringing more present and presentness into our life. Um, and that's something that maybe feels a little bit more relatable and a little bit less like woo woo sounding for people who feel like mindfulness might be. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even when I think about it is, I think it's really easy to be reactive in our lives, like react to whatever comes our way. Like we're just living in this world where we're reacting to the next emergency, the next pickup, the next text message. And it's how do we be in the moment, and I'm only talking like 30 seconds sometimes, right? And be a little more intentional about who we want to be and how we want to exist in this world. Totally, totally. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking like another way of thinking about it is presentness, but like maybe a waking up, you know? So like, that's what it is. It's a waking up to what's here for us now. And like, sometimes people say, when I'm practicing mindfulness, I feel like I'm, it's so relaxing and I'm falling asleep. And sometimes that can happen when we're practicing mindfulness. But really like, I heard this uh, meditation teacher of mine once say this years ago, and I love it. And I think about it sometimes. Practicing mindfulness is really this idea of like learning to fall awake. And maybe that's a way that makes it more like- That's deep. It is deep. It's like a nice little flip on the words. And sometimes we do fall asleep because it's relaxing. But the the intent is to really create more wakefulness in our lives and pay attention to what's here. And like what you were saying before, that we tend to just like get super busy and get carried away with ourselves. And I think there's so much happening in the moments that we're not paying attention to that if we were to pay attention to them, again, in that like really compassionate, non-judging way, we can open ourselves up to a whole new life for real. And I say that from my own experience. Like the reason why I'm so passionate about mindfulness and meditation is because I became, I, and it's actually, it's interesting how time flies. It's already nine years ago. Nine years ago, I went on my first meditation retreat. Totally like, <laughs> I like laugh at myself now looking back because I had no idea what I was getting into. It was a seven day meditation retreat. 
a therapist of mine at the time had recommended I go on it. She thought it'd be really good for me. We were moving from New York to Portland. So I had this like little chunk of time to do this. I got into the retreat. I went on it and it and it literally, and I don't say this in a way where I'm I'm not using these words intentionally, it changed my life. It really changed my life in terms of like what we were just talking about, bringing more presentness, awareness, wakefulness into how I was living my life. Yep. And it opened the door to start paying attention to things that were making me deeply unhappy in my life and be brave enough to make changes. And here's what I know about you is I'm willing to bet before that you were killing it. And I have a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are absolutely killing it. We are working parents. We have multiple kids. Our kids are doing pretty well in a lot of things and also struggling in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. We're killing it. And you took time off. You were just like me and you did this and it changed your life. A hundred. I mean, totally. And I don't know. I mean, going back in time, I was... I, I mean, killing it. It's yeah. I mean, I was doing well. I had my PhD. I had a, you know, I was on this good path, but there was a lot of things in my life. And I, and I like the way that I frame it to myself and to working, you know, clients that I work with clinically too, is like, you're doing well enough. Like you feel okay enough. Like life is good. You're doing well. You've got your career, you have your relationships and it's easy enough when you're doing well enough to ignore the things that are just sort of like simmering in the background that are creating unhappiness and with time when they're ignored will create more unhappiness. And that's the point that I was at. I was like, I was, yeah, I was making this big move. I was, was excited. I was a psychologist, um, pregnant with my second child. And, um, you know, I didn't think I needed to go on like a seven day meditation <laughs> retreat. And I'm so, so glad that I did. I'm so grateful for that experience. So tell me what's changed. Tell me what's changed for you. Yeah, I mean, so much from that time. So a lot of what I talk about, and I I wrote a book that came out a year ago, and I talk a bit about my own journey and how mindfulness helped me with that journey. So just a little bit about myself. I grew up in a very, very religious uh, community in New York. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of beauty in that community as I'm always like very careful to highlight, you know, like it's never been about bitterness or bashing any segment of society. But in many ways, it, it wasn't working for me. I felt stifled. I wasn't doing things that I really wanted to be doing because of community norms. And um, going on that mindfulness retreat really helped me take a deeper dive and become aware of the things that were making me feel really stuck. Mm-hmm. And I came, I just, I remember that feeling and I, it was just such a coming out of that retreat seven days after I had gone into it, feeling like I had sat down. I don't even like, I don't know how to quantify the weight, like a huge weight from my shoulders, A, by recognizing how I was living my life in ways that did not feel authentic to me and did not feel real and were really draining me. And then B, feeling like I had the courage to start to make changes, which was hard. It's hard. And if anyone's listening to this and can, I know, has this experience, and it's not necessarily even like just with religion, but differentiating from a group where there's norms and expectations of how you should be, it's very hard stepping outside of that. And so I really do feel like this mindfulness background helped me entertain that change was a possibility. And then that was the first retreat I went on. I went on, you know, many other retreats since then. And I have, you know, mindfulness practice, which helps keep me in line. (laughs) Well, yeah. I think what's really interesting about what I'm hearing from you is number one, I think you came from a place where you were experiencing your background that was impacting the way you were living your life. We all have that. Yours has a name, which is what sounds like a, a religious part of New York where you grew up that was impacting you. I have it, which is, you know, my parents who struggled in different ways, like every parent struggles in different ways. And that 
stays with us no matter what that background is. And I also like what you're saying around how do we separate from certain groups and certain norms that are impacting the way we live our life? And I think that resonates with me because I am currently, and a lot of listeners that are listening are in a very high achieving, very go, 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 very expectation oriented group. And it feels very hard to take some space or to slow down from that because we worry about how it's going to impact our kids. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, and I, I, it's so rewarding to talk about this with another woman to other women who are struggling in this way, because there are so many expectations mm-hmm. placed on us as women and especially women who I shouldn't say especially, but in this segment too, when you're pursuing a career and there's, you know, the expectation of how many hours you work and how many hours you need to work and give of yourself and then raising a family. If you're doing that too, there's so many norms that I think we really just take for granted, you know, like that this is okay, well, this is the world I'm I'm in. And this is what I need to do to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And we don't create enough pauses for ourselves to check in and see how we're really doing. So we just sort of take for granted. And that's why I mean, there's like so much coming out now on burnout for women, especially in the workplace. And that's where burnout comes from. Burnout comes from push, 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 push. And we're not checking in enough with ourselves to take care of ourselves. And then just like, you know, like the 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 cliche you can't pour from an empty cup so when your cup gets empty you you burn out and mm-hmm. you just feel like you have nothing left to give and so for women who could resonate who resonate with this the idea behind creating pauses to check in with yourself and this is where mindfulness becomes so helpful just checking in how am i doing how am i feeling what feelings am i having what thoughts am i having how's my body doing and using that feedback as information to be able to make choices that might step outside of the norm as hard as it may seem. But I think like it's just this idea of in life, we often are faced with choices we have to make, you know, like going back to what I was talking about with my own story, like, do I stay in the community and have the comfort of community and not have to deal with my own shame and not have to deal with, you know, possibility of rejection, which did happen? Or do I live a life that feels truer to me that you know, that I I think will make me feel more joyful and happier. And so, you know, we're, I think wherever we are in life, we're faced with these decisions, whether it's someone making career choices, do I continue on this path that's slowly eating at me and, and burning me out and I come home and I feel irritable and resentful? Or do I allow myself to do that check-in and then use that information to make changes? And, you know, not everyone and a lot of people don't make drastic changes. Sometimes it's a small change, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe I work a little bit less or maybe I make sure that I really use, you know, move my body every day. Like that's something that really helps me process my stress, making sure that I'm getting up early. And I don't do this every day, but the days that I do do it, and I do try to do it as often as I can, and I move and I get a little workout in, it changes my day, you know, so like there's small things we can do to change our lives with the information we get from checking in. And I think what I find really important about what you're saying is that we know that there's a mental health crisis for kids. And we know that women are experiencing significant amounts of burnout. Yeah. Therefore, if we continue to go with the norms, we are choosing burnout and we are choosing difficulties with mental health for kids, right? We know mm-hmm. that the norms are leading us down these paths. So we have to take a moment and figure out what do we want to do differently? Mm-hmm. What we don't want to go down these paths that we know are unhealthy, what are we going to do differently from the people around us? And yeah. so you're saying that some check-ins can help inform those decisions. So can you yeah. talk 
little bit more about that and what that actually looks like in a in a in a life of a busy parent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so we'll talk about check-ins and I just want to name this so we come back to it because I think part of addressing burnout and figuring out where we want to go in life is a by checking in with ourselves, so bringing our awareness to the present, how am I doing, but also creating like getting perspective, like the perspective that life is short and we only have so much time here and how do we really want to live it? So like that's I think a different discussion of really honing in and claiming your values, like what's important to me in this life. And, you know, I, I don't have all the time in the world as much as we think we do. So that's just something I think to come back to, because I think that is an important piece of this conversation, but how to do a check-in. I mean, it can be, there's so many different ways to do check-ins, but like a simple little tool that you can do is just check in with your, so three things, check in with your body. So just do like a quick, we could even do this together right now, you know, just as a little like, yeah. nice. We're like doing this podcast, there's feelings when you record a podcast. So do a little scan from the tip of your toes and I'm doing it too. And just working your way up all the way to the top of your head and noticing what's here for you in this body, in this moment. And if you find any tension, we usually carry tension, especially like when our adrenaline's going a little bit, usually it's in the upper body. See if there's a way of relaxing that. So it's a body check-in. That would be one, you know, so to just do this quick. And I do this throughout the day. And usually it's with my upper body because I tend to carry a lot of stress in my shoulders and my upper body. How's my body doing? Thoughts and feelings. How, like what's going on in my in my brain? Like what thoughts are my, like what's the quality of my thinking even? And like what kinds of thoughts are my thoughts spinning? Do I feel like sort of, I can't get myself organized. What kind of thoughts am I having? What emotions am I having right now? Like just do this quick check, like name the feelings that are here for you now. And then the last check-in is just like doing a quick check of your breathing. How am I, am I breathing? You know, like, and of course we're breathing because it's something our body does automatically. But a lot of times when we're stressed, we're not breathing as deeply or as often as we need to. We're like, we're holding it. So I'm going to say something kind of dark, but I'm owning it. And so the first time, Leah, you were talking about it's important to check in with your thoughts and feelings. It's important to take a pause to see what's going on for you. Part of my brain was like, well, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. I think a lot of people are in that spot, kind of like, I don't have the luxury to check in with how I'm thinking and feeling because I have 17 things to do. Now, yeah. I I called myself out on that, right? I was yeah. able to be like, what are you thinking? Like, if anyone's going to care, A, it's you and a million people care. But I think there's this piece of how do we how do we take that space when in many ways the world is telling us you can't, you don't get yeah. that luxury. Yeah. And I think here's so this is like, you know, tell me what you think about this. But and I when I hear you say that, like, A, I feel it because like our brains, you know, I have those thoughts too. We all have thoughts like that. Like, okay, thank you very much. I've have like a million things I need to do. I don't have time to check in with my body right now. Yep. You know, and so I think it's if there's a way to just create like step outside of the norm, like, okay, I see that thought coming up for me, kind of understand where it's coming from. Like, I'm really busy and I have all these expectations, but then bring the focus back on yourself and maybe ask yourself a question in a very, very gentle way. Like, oh, like that's that's so interesting them having that thought. What part of me doesn't care? Like, what part, like, where does that come from? Like, the part of me that doesn't care about my well-being and how I'm doing. And, you know, like, I think that that's a little bit of a deeper dive into, yes, we have norms. Yes, we have expectations. But what part of that have I claimed as my own? Uh And just get really curious about that to be able, again, it's like a lot of this work is learning to understand the patterns of our thinking. And by doing that, we can really separate from them. So 
much of the time, most of us were thinking billions of thoughts all the time, right? Like our brains are super duper busy and mm-hmm. we just take them for granted. Like we don't even know, we're not aware of most of them. So we think it, we believe it, we keep on going, but this is an opportunity to really get curious about the patterns of thinking that are working against you. And that one's absolutely working against you. And even like, if we want to go to like science and studies, there's tons of science that shows the efficacy of mindfulness and how it increases productivity, which by the way, is not the reason to do it, but it's a side benefit, you know, how mindfulness is bring, being br- brought into all kinds of different like pro sports and CEOs. And I mean, it helps, it helps us get sharper, helps us with focus. So that's just maybe a little bit of motivation for the skeptics. <laughs> well, and I, I have come to that spot and I was, I was kind of shocked that that thought kind of came to my head, which is why I said it, but mm-hmm. I, I think, it resonates, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. I think that are, those are the messages, especially during the pandemic, that Gosh. working women were getting. And it's been very hard for us to transition out of that survival mode. Totally, totally. And actually, like, as you as you said that, I had this memory come up for me. I was on a meditation retreat before pandemic times. Um, and the, I, it was a phenomenal, I love this meditation teacher. He's amazing. And he has a beautiful way of talking and guiding the meditations. And he kept on saying this phrase, just sink into this moment. You have no other place you need to be. Oh, I love that. And it was beautiful, but it was also very triggering for the moms in that room. There was 200 people. And I remember very clearly, like, and you know, I had thoughts of like, what do you mean? I have no other place I need to be. I have like two, I have kids at home. (laughs) Like, yeah, I actually, this is like a big sacrifice for me to be here. I have other, many other places I need to be. And I remember a woman raising her hand, probably speaking for many of the moms in that room, like, uh, I, like, why are you saying this? I, my kids, like, you know how hard it was for me to be here? So I think that that's just a reflection of, of the and normalizing those thoughts. And our brains will produce all kinds of thoughts, and they're all okay, and they all come from someplace. So like, that's why like when I responded to you, where does that come from in me? Like the part of me that has a hard time taking time for myself and acknowledging the value in, in checking in with my body and making choices that are good for me. And the part of me that resists that, that's so, that's so interesting. Where does that come from? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that's what a check-in looks like. Can you talk about the values? All of this stuff I talk about and think about all the time. I, so mm-hmm. I, I love it. So can we talk about how the values inform the decisions that we're making? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea behind values is this, you know, if you're going to hold up a compass to your life and choose directions that you want to walk in, like the paths that are important to you, the things that give you a sense of purpose and meaning, that would be the value, you know? So, and the values come up in all different domains, like a val- relationship value. What's, what's, what purpose and what brings me satisfaction in my relationships, you know? And so that's sort of like the compass and getting like, you can even do an exercise, write this down, like, you know, my relationship values, self-care values, fitness values, spiritual values, what within each of those different domains that are a part of my life gives me that sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and getting in touch with them. That becomes like the direction the compass is pointed in. That's a big piece of this too, because oftentimes like we get swept away in other people's values that we we think they're our values. Like we were talking before about sort of like navigating and balancing a high achieving career with family and with romantic relationships. And we think we have the, you know, our, we think we know our values, but really they're not ours. So just doing a little check and like even writing out, like, what are my values and, and how I like this exercise, like in one column, it's like writing out the value. And then in another column, you can write down on a scale of zero to 10, how important is this value to me? So as an example, like relationship values, let's say someone writes down, uh, having, you know, really a, like a close 
affectionate relationship with my kids is a value of mine. Mm-hmm. How important is that to me? It's a 10. It's like super duper important. And then the other column is, and how present is this in my life? You know, yes. and that's another, you know, and so that's, I mean, and again, not always in a very gentle capacity and not as a way of beating ourselves up, but like we want those numbers to match as close as possible to feel like we're living in integrity. So if I'm working so hard and I'm burnt out and I'm coming home, just snippy with my kids, I'm not spending any time with them. And, um, you know, that's going to be a mismatch of those values. It's not going to feel good. Mm-hmm. And the way I really work with folks, especially as the school year is coming up, is is I use a calendar. I use a daily planner for me and for the clients that work with me regularly. And what mm-hmm. I do essentially with that is I make people plan out kind of like 15 or 30 minute chunks, because what that does is it makes us that idea of you don't have anywhere else to be you're able to really hone in on where you're supposed to be because you know you have time for the other things when you've got a really nice schedule. Yeah. And I also think that if your schedule is not is not aligning with your values, then that's where you need to see if you can make some changes. If totally. you don't have the time to be with your kids, if you don't have the time to exercise, then it's time to look at things differently because our time should be should align with our values. Absolutely. And I love that. And that's such a great practical technique. And I was actually thinking about this the other day too, that time management is really, it's a form of self-care. It's a form of self-care. It's a form of self-love. And, you know, it's time management, like just making sure we have, we're we're scheduling in the things that are important to us. And I think a, a piece of that and the wonderful thing about like doing scheduling, like what you're talking about is, really trying to minimize the amount of rushing we're doing. And that's something that like probably a lot of people could resonate with people who are busy, who are doing a lot of different things rushing. You're like, leave yourself just enough time. I'm doing this, rushing to this next thing. Okay. Like, you know, and I had this like earlier the summer, our family was doing a lot of different, I felt like I was like, in my mind, I'd be like driving in the car and like saying to myself in my head, like rush, 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 like constantly rushing. I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. And it was so depleting. So part of that time management is like giving ourselves buffers too, you know, giving ourselves a buffer like, okay, yeah, I think this takes this much time, but let me give myself five extra minutes. And if that means like minimizing the amount of time I have for something else or cutting it out or saving it for a different day, so be it, you know, even with like pampering things like, you know, I really don't have time for that manicure today because if I do it, I'm just going to like, I'm going to feel so frazzled getting, having to rush to pick my kids up from camp, you know? And I think we will never know if we're experiencing the feeling of rushing if we're not doing those body checks because oh. the body checks is or our emotion checks. That is what is informing where we can make shifts and where we can make changes. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think though, as I'm thinking about this, I, I have an exceptional amount of privilege in that I am, I, I, you know, I run a business and I rush all the time and I work exceptionally hard. And I'm also more in charge of my schedule than other people. So how do we help parents who don't have as much control over their time and really are locked in because the world is hard and very demanding? Yeah. Yeah. And and thanks for acknowledging that because I was thinking that as I was talking to like everybody's circumstances are so different. And so for someone who's working for themselves, they might have more flexibility. They do have more flexibility in their schedule than someone who's working for someone else. And t- like time just seems to matter more. You've got to be there at this, this time and leave at this time. And I still think that, see, this is like one of those misnomers that comes up with mindfulness. And this is all mindfulness related to what we're talking about is I just don't have the time for it. I, I'm so busy. I don't have time for mindfulness. It can literally take 
30 seconds or one minute, you know, like to say, okay, I'm going to like pause before I get out of the car. And I, you know, maybe even like making transition times for yourself. I just, I came home from work. Now I have to go inside and be a parent before I go, I'm going to spend one minute or not even in my car and just create a little bit of a transition period for myself. I'm going to like check in with my body. I actually just heard this on a podcast a couple of days ago. I thought it was beautiful. Ask yourself, what can I do to make this body, to make my body more comfortable right now? That's it. Oh, oh, my shoulders are really tense. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. It's something I'm going to be bringing into my life, you know, because I, like I said, I carry a lot of upper body tension. So like, it can be like just a quick little transition moment from one thing to the next. What can I do to make this body more comfortable right now in this moment? Oh, if I just stand up a little straighter, that feels really nice, you know, or I can just like roll my shoulders a little bit. Um, so it doesn't have to be something and it shouldn't usually, unless it's something that you put in your schedule and you make time for it, something that's long. The same meditation teacher that I was talking about before, he used to say, and I loved it. And I think about this. And this was, you know, I said it a long time ago. I think about it all the time. All it has to take, like the amount of time it, it has to take is the amount of time like that for the elevator doors to open. You know, you're standing there waiting for the That's it. You just boop, drop in, check in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think what's interesting is that no one is going to make that space for us in this world except for ourselves. Yeah. We are the, just like I said, who cares how I feel? Well, I do, but no one is going to make that space because the expectations are so high for, for working parents. And so Mm -hmm. we have to be proactive about saying, I deserve this time where the elevators close. Mm -hmm. I can figure out how to make that happen for Mm -hmm. myself because I'm worth it. Exactly. Exactly. And I deserve it. And I think a lot of it is like getting out of the way that we've been doing things and saying to ourselves, oh, I can use this time. So it's not just like, you know, because we just oftentimes if we're sitting and waiting for the elevator doors to open, pull out our phone, do a quick check, you know, think about the next thing we need to do. And we don't have this recognition like, I can, oh, I can use this time for a quick little check. I don't need to check my phone again. I, I, I don't need to think about like that thing that I've already thought about a lot of times that I don't need to think about again. Yeah. And I think, so where I live, they have just made this huge, there's a problem in that there are not enough bus drivers. So over a thousand kids in our district do not have bus rides to school or home. And so I know we're, it's ridiculous. Wow. And I, I am very glad that the buses that are available are going to families that really need them. So yeah. it's hard. And it's also people are doing the best they can, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that many working parents are going to be rushing and being pulled more than we ever expected to be. And I think if I had to give people some advice during some of that time is really do this, this check-in that you're talking about. Really, yeah. really do it. So can you repeat it again, what mm-hmm. those things are? Yeah, sure. So checking in with, it's like a three-way check, checking in with your body, How's my body doing right now? What's here for my body right now? Is there any tension I can release? So that's part of the body check. Checking in with your thoughts and feelings. What thoughts am I having? What's the quality of my thinking? Is it like just like that spinny or is it like, you know, a little bit milder and slower? What emotions, what feelings am I having right now? And then the last one is like just doing a quick check with your breathing. Like how am I breathing? How's my breathing? Can I, you know, does it feel good? And this is, you know, not part of the check, but you can do this. Like, can I take a deeper, like does taking some deep breaths help me right now? Can I do that? I love that. Um, Leah, where can people find you? And tell us more about your book because I'm going to get it. I can't wait <laughs> to get it. Uh, yeah, tell us more. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my book is called Gutsy, Mindfulness Practices for Everyday Bravery. And I talk a lot about how we can bring mindfulness into our lives to be braver and get unstuck and build self-worth. And I talk a little bit about my story, sort of woven in there, but it's 
it's not a ton about me. It's more of a self-help book. Um, and that's available wherever, you know, wherever books are sold in, in big stores. And um, people can find me. I'm on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Dr. Leia Katz, DR period. There's a period after that because there's a lot of other ones that are not me. <laughs> and uh, my website's drleahkatz.com. Well, this was exceptionally helpful. It is exactly what I needed going into the school year. And just already saying that, I could feel my chest kind of tighten because that's where I feel my tension. Yeah. And yeah. just of leaning in and getting ready. And because I'm being mindful, I noticed it. And I'm just going to take some deep breaths. Mm -hmm. And let that go. I love that. Well, we have to, right? It's the only way we're going to make it through life. Yep, totally. The only way. And just to add, actually, I didn't say this, you know, but like, so when you notice that with attention, another great practice is you can bring your hands over your chest or wherever you find that tension. It's just this really nice, compassionate way of being with some part of pain inside of you. I love that. I can't wait to sign off and do that. (laughs) Mike, because it's not working. The stand isn't working. Um, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I think my listeners are going to really appreciate all you had to say. And just thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. Yeah, I can't wait. Bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, go ahead and subscribe and share. And more importantly, if you think you or someone you love would benefit from collaborative therapy, psychological assessment, or psychiatry services, you can find out more about our practice at Active and Connected Family Therapy, www.activeconnected.com. Again, that's www.activeconnected.com. Thanks so much for listening.